Thank you so much. Appreciate that. And it is a delight and a privilege for me to have the opportunity to share with you today. Thank you, Pastor, for calling me and inviting me. Reader's Digest a number of years ago wrote an article or published an article about a lady who went shopping at the Cambridge Mall in Cambridge, Ontario. She had shopped for a couple of hours, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> she had shopped for a couple of hours and thought she'd take a break. So she uh, went into a little shop and she picked up a uh, magazine, a cup of coffee, and a Kit Kat candy bar. She found a little place, a little bench in the mall, and there was a man sitting at the one end, and she sat just, it was a short one, she was sitting close to him. And uh, she was reading the magazine, and she reached down for the Kit Kat candy bar. She broke the first finger off and snapped it in half and put it in her mouth. And to her shock, the man beside her picked up the other half. <laughs> she gave him a dirty look. And a couple of minutes later, she snapped off the second finger and cut it in half and took it. And if he didn't pick up the other half, she was so upset, she grabbed the rest of it, stuffed it in her pocket, gave him a dirty look and walked away. About a half an hour later, she saw the same man coming out of a donut shop. And in his hand was a jelly-filled donut. She said she had no idea what possessed her. But she went over, snatched it out of his hand, took a bite, and gave it back to him. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Is it that dry? <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you. She got to her car, opened her purse to take out her keys, and inside her purse, she found an unopened Kit Kat candy bar. Now you'll have to think of it for a minute. But when I read that, I wondered what that man said to his wife when he got home about this incredible woman who stole half of his chocolate bar and took a bite out of his donut. But you know what? One of the challenges we can face if we're not careful is some things we perceive are one way are not that way at all. And that's exactly what the writer of Jude has been looking at in our your study that you've had over this. There are some people who come along, we would call them terrorists in today's lingo, because there are terrorists who would question the word of God, question the God of the word, and try to infiltrate churches and Christian organizations, etc., etc., and infiltrate them with that which is not true. And if we are not careful, as Jude says, we could be pulled into that, not realizing the danger of it. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you have, let me encourage you to turn back to the first and last chapter of Jude. We'll take them both together. 
Jude profiles what spiritual terrorists are. Let me just go through them very briefly for you. It will not take a lot of time, but just, just look what he says in verse 4. He says, they are godless men. Verse 8, he said, they're dreamers. They pollute their own bodies. Verse 10, they speak abusively about what they don't understand. Verse 12, these men are, are blemishes in your love feasts. Verse 13, they're wild waves of the sea. Uh, verse 16, these men are grumblers and fault finders. And verse 19, these men who divide you. And he reminds the apostle, but he remind, is reminded that the apostles warned of this in the latter days, verse 17 says. And so the latter days being from the time of the resurrection of Jesus Christ until the time that he returns again, these are the last days. But then when he gets to verse 20, he says, but you but you. So he contrasts these people who are trying to infiltrate the church and bring in that which is not true. He says, but you, dear friends. And he gives some direction. He says, for example, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. So what he's doing really is saying, you know what, you've got all of this stuff. You don't throw your hands up in despair and say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He says, you've got to do something to prepare. You've got to take an inward look at yourself. The first thing he suggests is that you build yourselves up. You grow spiritually. Second uh, Peter 3.18 says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And spiritual growth is similar in some ways to physical growth. For example, when you have a baby and you bring the baby home, the baby has been checked by the doctor and the doctor says he or she is, is perfect. And you get this perfect baby and the perfection is not in the maturity, the perfection is in the process of him or her growing. For example, you know that the child is perfect if it has an insatiable desire to eat. And if it in time is getting a little bigger and a little heavier. And if it very frequently gets rid of the waste. Because when you put it in one end, you know, okay. You only take this baby to the doctor if it stops eating or stops the other thing or doesn't grow. The same is true spiritually. There, there is really a great similarity between the two. A person who has come to faith in Jesus Christ and received Christ as Savior, first of all, has a, an insatiable desire to know the Word of God. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I did eat them. And they were indeed delightful to his soul. Does he ha do you have a desire to, to get rid of the waste in your life? Or as Hebrew says, the thing, the sin that so easily besets you. Are you growing spiritually? Now, this baby in five years becomes sort of like this tall. 
And when he goes to the doctor for his checkup before he starts school, the doctor says, is he eating properly? Yes, he is. Is he getting rid of the waste? Yes, he is. Is He's tall. Yes, he's gaining weight. He's, he's developing intellectually. Now, the same is true spiritually. In five years in following Jesus Christ, we should still have an insatiable desire for the word. We should be trying to get rid of, by God's grace, the sin which so easily besets us, and we're more spiritually grown than we were five years ago. Now, you don't take this five-year-old child, okay, and feed him 15 years of food in one day and expect him to be 20. It doesn't work that way. Every day, three times a day, he has to eat, he has to exercise, he has to sleep. It's an arduous task to move to adulthood and become mature. But the perfection is in the process of becoming mature. So the reason I take some time on this is what I find is a lot of Christians will say, oh, I'm not as good as they are. I'm not as far along. They've got a better handle on growing spiritually than I have. Yes, but maybe that's because they've been growing a little longer than you have. So when Jude said we're to grow, we're to grow were to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Very significant. So let us be encouraged to desire the word, to get rid of that which so easily besets us, to determine that we're going to focus our attention on spiritual growth, which is a slow, arduous, sometimes painful process. But that's one of the ways that we can protect ourselves from the terrorists who would seek to rob us of the convictions we have. The second thing he says is we're to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're to pray in the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it was Dr. Charles Stanley who talked about the fact that, that prayer is not a one-way thing. We don't say prayers. But we allow God to speak to us. Prayer is really a two-way communication. A lot of us, we sit down, we start praying, we pray, 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 in Jesus' name, amen, and then we get up and away we go. And we don't give ourselves the time to listen to what God has to say. This is what he suggests we do. We, we find that special spot where we pray. Maybe it's a time we have our devotional time each day. And we pause, and we spend some time to think through Think of the greatness of God, the power of God, the majesty of God. And maybe you pray a prayer like, Father, as I sit here, would you allow me to sense your presence with me? Would you bring to mind things I should pray for? And you know what? The Holy Spirit will do that. And so then we pray. And then after we pray, it's good to just wait and let God speak to our hearts, burden our hearts. The third thing he mentions is obedience, obedience. Uh, keep yourselves, he says, in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. Now, it doesn't mean to make yourself lovable to God, but keep yourself in harmony with God's ever-present love. Um, and then he says we're to wait. 
We're to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Living in that constant reminder of the exciting day that is of the coming of Jesus Christ. I think one of the, one of the books I remember reading a number of years ago by Stephen Covey was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you've read that book, it's quite a fascinating read. It's good for the business community. But one of the... Uh, values in the book, I think. The whole cost of the book was worth the illustration he gave at the very outset of the book where he said he was driving home one day and he happened to go by a funeral home and as he went by he thought, oh my goodness, I recognize a lot of those cars on the street and he looked in the parking lot and the same thing. So he thought, I wonder whose funeral it is. So he parked his car and he went in. Well, all the people that were there, he knew them. And then up by the casket was his wife and his children. So he went up to the casket and he looked in and it was his body. So he sat in the front row and he picked up the program and he looked and he saw that his wife and his children and some of his friends were going to give a eulogy. They're going to talk about him. Question. What are they going to say about me? He said, when that thought hit me, I realized that if I want people at the end of the road of my life to speak highly of me, then every choice I make in life, every decision I make, I need to make with that in mind. And when I see in Scripture we are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And every one of us, every one of us, every one of us will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account. So as Stephen Covey says in his book, In the Business World, we can say in the spiritual world, we need to make sure that what we want to hear Jesus say to us is based on choices that we've made that bring glory to his name. Now that's the inward look. Verses 22 and 23, there's the outward look. He says, uh, here, and here are some dramatic instructions. Dr. John MacArthur, we're going to borrow three words that he uses to describe the people that are referred to. There are three different kinds of people, he says. Be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who doubt. He suggests that they are confused. He doesn't say push them aside. They need to have mercy, as we see, to give clarification. Doubting means confused. So they're, they're confused. Um, maybe, is the Bible really reliable? It's an old book written by several people. Is Jesus Christ really God? Uh, would a, a good God send people to hell? I've prayed and no answer. People like that need mercy. But here's the challenge. When people are open-minded, you know, some people say, well, I'm just open-minded about this. The challenge is if you're open-minded about truth, you can be open-minded about error or the lack of truth. And so it's important to understand, and you may be here this morning and, and you're open-minded. 
you've been attending here for a while and you've heard the gospel and you've said, ah, I don't know if I can really trust it or not. Here's my advice to you. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Get a grip on the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. He took your place in order that a holy, righteous God can give to you his righteousness. And so God who cannot look upon sin, looks at you through the merits of Jesus Christ in the debt that Jesus Christ paid that I could not pay. And then once you've embraced that and you've trusted Jesus Christ, close your mind. Don't allow anything, as Jude says here, to slip in there. Um, the third group of people are the committed Oh, sorry, the convinced, convinced, the second part. I missed one here. Um, he says, you uh, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Now, that's a very strong word, snatch them. Here, here's a stunning picture. It's a picture of being singed by the flames of the fire of hell. It's as if people who have come to a place that they are now convinced that the untruth that they believe in is really true. He says, you, you go after those people. You be aggressive with those people. You make sure that they are rescued. It's a rescue operation. Now, the third group of people are the committed. You, don't, you show mercy, but you show mercy with fear. And it's the fear part of it that's quite, quite amazing when you think of it. This is very, very graphic. They are so evil, they've come to a point that they've committed themselves to this untruth, even although they're very nice people, they're within the church, within different organizations, Christian organizations, but, but they have been so committed, and they are so evil, Jude says, that even the oozing from their wicked bodies has affected their clothing. So he says, he, he says, be, be very, very careful, hating even the clothing that they're wearing. You get the picture. It's like, ah! But he doesn't say run away from them. He doesn't say get rid of them. He says, with fear, you show them mercy. Um, let me just show you a couple of verses from the second point that I, that I missed. I think they're going to go up on the screen. Acts 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he brought with, bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 uh, through nine, he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we <clears throat> or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Whew. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. 
And so we have this challenge that we need to be cautious, but we need to prepare ourselves by the study of the word, by prayer, by obedience, and by waiting upon the Lord. Now there's a lot we could say about that, but let me just finish by saying this. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we can throw our hands up in despair. He says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and put, this is Romans chapter 16. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So again, I ask the question, what do we do? What do we do? Well, he gives the answer to that. He doesn't leave us in the dark by that. He said, we need to understand and recognize in, in his conclusion of this short but powerful book, he focuses on the great truth of God's powerful work. To him, he says, verse 24, who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever more. He's God our Savior. We are kept by Jesus Christ, by God himself. Now let me just say something about this God that he speaks of here. Uh, we live on a round globe, you know that, eh? it's called the earth. And uh, let me tell you about the earth. The earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. <clears throat> and we on earth travel around the sun once a year, right? This 93 million miles. Now let me tell you something about this. Our earth traveling around the sun, our globe is traveling at 367,000 miles an hour. Not only that, we're spinning day and night, day and night, day and night. We're spinning on its axis. If you were at the equator, we would be traveling 1,000 miles an hour. So we're traveling 1,000 miles an hour this way and 367,000 miles an hour through around the sun. Our solar system, we've seen some great pictures from the James Webb Telescope. Our solar system, the Milky Way we're a part of, travels through space at 140 miles a second. That's our solar system. Now, I want to read some verses from Isaiah 40. Oh, it's a great, great passage. I'll skip some of them. Let me just go down to verse 20 because our time is slipping away. I want to go down to verse 25 if you can skip down to that. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes up and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Let me tell you something about our, our, our universe. In our galaxy, that's the Milky Way, this is our galaxy, 
there are an estimated 300 billion stars just in our galaxy that's traveling so fast through space all right some elliptical galaxies are called there are 20 times more there are an estimated 200 billion galaxies in our universe there will be no end to this telescope that goes out and tries to find things 200 billion galaxies and in our galaxy alone we have 300 billion stars let me read that verse again lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these he who brings out the starry host one by one he calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing now this is the God that Jude says holds us and keeps us in the palm of his hand this is the God who's provided salvation for every one of us through faith in Jesus Christ this is the God we can trust so why would you ever listen to untruth why would you ever close your Bible and say the God who created all of that can't communicate in his word he has communicated and he's communicated clearly so here's the thing remember the first church I pastored in Ottawa Ontario a businessman came to see me one day and he gave me his business card and uh, when he left I looked at the back of it and it said this and I've never forgotten it if you meet me and forget me you've lost nothing but if you meet Jesus Christ and forget him you've lost everything and I've never forgotten that and one of the most amazing things is that this God who created the universe this massive universe by the very word of his power is the same God who's provided salvation for you and for me as unworthy as we are as Jude wraps this up he says listen there's a lot of rot going on in the world there are a lot of people who are nice people but they're trying to undermine the truth of God they're trying to minimize who God is he said, no, 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 listen, this almighty creator is the one who keeps you in the palm of his hand, the one who will lead you by his Holy Spirit and guide you by the word of God. And he's the one who will one day receive you through Jesus Christ into his glory forever and ever. So listen, let's continue to trust that God. Let's not be overwhelmed by the first part of Jude. But let us be overwhelmed by the latter part where he says, listen, this is the God who will keep you and present you faultless before a holy, righteous God who's provided this wonderful salvation for each of us. Thank you, Father, for preserving for us this great little letter, an amazing, amazing letter that warns us but also encourages us by the fact that we can not only know God but experience you in our lives day by day. Thank you for our time together this morning. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we show Pastor Don a blue?